Thank you, Deborah, for this beautiful collection of songs. Well, this weekend, many of our members are out and about representing this community in a variety of ways. Some folks are attending the Unitarian Universalist General Assembly in Fort Lauderdale, including our interim minister. How many of you have been to GA at one time or another? That's a good collection. Well, I I think of GA as summer camp for UUs. You know, it's really wonderful to gather with 5,000 like-minded, Birkenstock-wearing, Prius-driving, liberal-thinking, free-range religious progressives. If you haven't been, I can't recommend it highly enough. And of course, in 2010, here in Minneapolis, we will host General Assembly. So make plans now to clear your calendars for the last week in June of 2010. Next year, Salt Lake City, and then here in Minneapolis. Some of our members, especially our first Universalist Young Adult Group, or FUYAG, I love to say their name, FUYAG, they are out at Loring Park staffing a church table at Pride this weekend. They are representing us as a welcoming congregation, one who wears our heart on our sleeve for all the world to see how church can be, where we uphold and encourage all persons in their quest to be their most authentic selves. And we celebrate loving partners, period. Some are off to Camp Unistar, where life on Star Island in Cass Lake slows down a little bit, and someone else does all the delicious cooking. Charlie Clements is there giving the program this week at Camp Unistar before he comes to visit us next Sunday, so if he arrives here especially laid back and relaxed, we'll know why. Some are off to the cabin, and some are out of the country, and Perhaps, as Garrison Keeler says, some are celebrating or worshiping at the Church of the Brunch. In weeks to come, some of you may be gone on your summer journeys, and those other folks will come back. Here in this base camp, we go out eager, curious, maybe even afraid, and we return refreshed or exhausted but changed Somehow, here in this place of memory and hope, with an ever-changing configuration of residence, we receive courage and inspiration and solace and friendship. We get our buckets filled, our spiritual provisions replenished for the journeys that await us. With her permission, there is one member's summer journey that I want to share with you because I am so touched by her courage and her determination. Karen and Kim Stelson are traveling this summer to Europe and to Asia, where Kim is meeting with international colleagues in his academic work. This week, they are in Poland. Karen, of Polish-Jewish ancestry, is making a pilgrimage to Auschwitz, the place where, perhaps, her ancestors simply disappeared. She knows they disappeared. She doesn't know where. 
And then in August, the Stelsons will travel to Japan, and with a Japanese friend, Karen will visit Hiroshima, a place that, because of its terrible history, is now vehemently engaged in the promotion of peace. Karen has been on a demanding personal journey in the past several years, and now life has presented her these opportunities to visit these extraordinary and extraordinarily difficult places. Though she doesn't always feel this way, she is, in fact, equipped for the journey with courage and determination to stand in the presence of evil, to stand in the presence of faithful humanity, and be changed by the experience. And she has sole companions here, friends to whom she will return and tell the stories someday in one way or another. Godspeed to Karen and Kim. Our summer journeys we usually plan with an idea to be filled with light and relaxation, an escape from the world of the everyday. But some journeys are not of our choosing. The loss of a parent, an injury or an illness, the death of a dream. Those lead us into a psychic and spiritual journey that can be every bit as demanding as a rock-climbing expedition. When you are staring up the north face of your own mortality, when you are confronting your fears and your demons, you want a spiritual backpack that is filled with connecting ropes and harnesses, tools that help you get a handle on the task at hand and reassure you that you are not alone. I've been working with this notion of the church, this church community, as a cooperative base camp. And I think this idea does a few things. It accomplishes a few things. We understand a cooperative base camp. With that idea, we understand ourselves as participants in this communal life rather than consumers of church. We understand that our participation is both outward-flowing and inward-flowing, like breath. We help each other by helping ourselves and each other equip our lives and our children's lives for the intricate and overlapping journeys that we face. We find traveling companions. We share practices for the road. We develop good habits. We practice being guides and being followers. We change the world by our courage in the face of fear and by our actions based on love and by our faith in reason and the power of common purpose. We know these are dark days for many people. Over 70,000 Minnesota families have had their homes foreclosed upon. That's one in every 31 families. Now, this is not the news that you call the church office with to be included in the cycle of life. 
But you can bet that if it happens to you, it is a passage unlike any other. As the economy continues its downturn, rising prices will affect the members of this congregation in ways that we cannot yet know. More than ever, we need to be a shelter in the storm, a place of rest and respite for the enormous challenges facing our community and our world, and a place where people who are not yet a part of this community can come and find rest rest and respite and solace and friendship and hope and faith and love. Many of us have read um, David Corton's wake-up call book, The Great Turning. A couple of years ago, we had a, a series, a book discussion series about The Great Turning. Of late, I've been struck <clears throat> by how accurately Corton's predictions are coming true. He says, quote, A mounting perfect economic storm, born of the convergence of peak oil, climate change, and the falling U.S. dollar, is poised to bring a dramatic restructuring to every aspect of modern life. And further, that there is no technological fix for the human crisis. The underlying problem is one of social dysfunction, and the only solutions are cultural and institutional. Close quote. We are in the business here of cultural, personal, human potential and solutions. As individuals and collectively, we are always on journeys of transformations. Whether we are learning to live with an empty nest or preparing ourselves to welcome a new senior minister. Some of our activities are mundane. Some are profound. All are in the service of moving forward, ever forward, creating a safe space for bold exploration, for saving our own lives and the lives of each other. Now here at First Universalist, we're spending some time this summer sprucing up our base camp. The SPIF committee, we do have good names for our committees, don't we? The SPIF committee is putting up new signage throughout the building to help us navigate better, including new numbers on the rooms in the education wing that actually make sense. The social hall floor has a new coat of polish, and the labyrinth, all open all summer long, looks inviting for spiritual journeying. The kitchen has gotten some much-needed attention from Alex and the youth crew with painting and patching. And this week, hallelujah, the church office is getting a fresh coat of paint. So pay attention. Fall down in the grass. Be idle and blessed. Stroll through the fields. Pay attention to your one wild and precious life. Go out, explore, be challenged, be changed, 
and then come home to this beloved base camp. This morning we're fulfilling an obligation to help by taking up a special collection for Habitat for Humanity, another kind of base camp that makes a real difference in real people's lives. One thing you should know about Habitat is that they match families with mortgages they can afford, and they teach families how to be responsible homeowners. Foreclosures in Habitat are almost non-existent. This summer, on site at a Habitat house in Brooklyn Park, we met two families who were doing their sweat equity. They were hard-working people, including some who are physically disabled, and they are very, very grateful for the help. You can find a lot more information at their website, habitat.org. During this special collection, we ask you to please give generously and make your checks out to First Universalist Church with Habitat in the memo line. Do our ushers know that we're doing a special collection today? Good. I'm glad that's not a surprise. Please. What a flagrant sin of omission. There is is some omissions here on the program, Uh, one of which is the names of the uh, group behind me over here. Uh, they are members of what we call the usual suspects, Harry Pontiff on bass, Jim Sutherland on drums, and uh, our musical uh, contribution to what you're doing now is called Flying Home by the late Lionel Hampton.
Let's stand and sing one we all know really well. Number 131, Love Will Guide Us. standing and join hands for this benediction. I'll say first before that that we're going to be finished a little bit early today so that you can all get out there for the Pride Parade. If you have kids downstairs in RE, you might want to go ahead and have your cup of coffee and let them finish up so, and then go and collect them. These are the words of Unitarian Minister Wayne Arneson. Take courage, friends. The way is often hard, The path is never clear, and the stakes are very high. Take courage, for deep down there is another truth. We are not alone.